Hi, this is Robert Cunningham, pastor of Preaching and Vision at Tate's Creek Presbyterian Church. We want to thank you for listening to this resource, and we hope and pray it will be a blessing to you. One quick word, though, before you listen. While we are honored to be a resource for you, we do want you to know that an online sermon is no substitute for congregational life. It's a good supplement, but what you need more than anything else is membership and involvement in a local church. If you are not a member of TCPC, I want you to know that listening to your pastor is far more valuable than listening to this. If you are a member of TCPC, I want you to know that joining us in worship on Sunday is far more valuable than listening online. So to everyone, we are encouraged that you have sought us out, but much more encouraging would be for you to seek out a local church community. That said, thanks for listening, and may God now bless you as you do. Amen. I invite you to open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 2 or your order of worship on page 6. And I'll be reading uh, all of Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 22. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with, with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding... Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. Who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil. Men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you'll be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. Who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. All men are like grass, their glory like flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. Amen. Let's pray and ask the Lord's blessing upon his preach word. Well, Father, we thank you again on this Sunday morning that we could gather for worship. Thank you for the privilege of being inside of fellowship with you and one another. Lord, thank you for singing and praying and hearing scripture read and now proclaimed. Father, we thank you that you have ordained these means. Uh, they are your gifts to us. So I pray now as 
as we have this time of teaching, would you open our hearts, open our ears, open our minds uh, for what is true of you? Father, I pray that you would continue to form us as your followers, people with whom who who have the mind of Christ. Lord Jesus, I pray uh, that this would be uh, uh, not only true of us, but what is our motivation as we go through life. So would you bless now the preaching of your word? We ask this now in your name, Jesus. Amen. I was intrigued last week from Robert's uh, sermon from Acts chapter 12. Uh, If you were here, you remember, if you listened online, if not, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. But it's kind of a famous story in scripture. Uh, It's the account of King Herod when he is persecuting the early church. And the apostle Peter was arrested during that time and assumed to be on his way to execution And the highlight, of course, is uh, the miraculous intervention when the angel of the Lord showed up in uh, Peter's prison cell and supernaturally took him out of the walls uh, into the midst of his friends. If you're not familiar with the story, please go back and read it. It's pretty exciting stuff, and it reads that way, and of course, it's all truth. Uh, Of the many great parts of that account that stood out to me, uh, and again, this is all about how the work of the gospel is not going to be stopped. Uh, but what really stood out to me as I prepped for this sermon this week and looking back, uh, and that was the actions of the regular church members uh, there, along with Peter. Of course, you have the actions of these great apostles like Peter, but also in the midst of that story were these regular church members and how their actions are right in the middle of everything that this account is about. Do you remember what they were doing when Peter was arrested? When Peter stayed in jail, what they continued to do into the night. In Acts 12, you can go back and read and see in Scripture that Scripture records that they were, quote, praying earnestly, which meant not only were they diligent in their prayers and with their attitude, but rather they were also praying the Scriptures on Peter's behalf, praying the Scriptures for their friend. It's as if spiritually they were in prison with Peter. And I would suggest that their prayers reflected the seriousness of the situation. And it was hugely important in how the Lord used their prayers as part of this miracle. But here's what I want us to see this morning. That their prayers reflected that the people of God were in step with the work of God. Their passion matched the Lord's passion. Their mission in life matched Jesus' mission for our lives and for this world. They were dialed in. They were on point. Their lives were not interrupted to gather to pray. Rather, gathering to pray is what their lives were about. They lived in tune with the Lord in such a way that they were already doing these type of things. So when it was time for them to gather to pray, it was part of their normal life. Now, you can probably guess where I'm going with this illustration. Uh, this episode in Scripture did cause me to think and wrestle with, would that be said of us today? Would that be said of me today? Are we living in step with the Lord's voice in such a way that our lives are identified as people who are passionate about the same thing that he is passionate about? And I fear, I, I promise, I've, I'm preaching to myself this morning, I've been preaching to myself all week about this, that Again, my fear is that we live in a culture that is so distracted by all the competing voices all around us that I think sometimes we have a hard time hearing and remaining in step 
with our master's voice. That is, it's entirely possible that we possess the mind of Christ, and yet simultaneously our minds are clouded with the passions of our world which seem to change on a daily basis. So for me, as I wrestle with this, if you just look at my personal podcast lineup on a weekly basis, uh, there are a lot of competing voices in my heart and mind. I can tell you all about what Colin Cowherd thinks that happened in the NFL over the last couple of weeks. I can tell you all about political commentaries that are the latest crisis in America. I can tell you every mistake I made, according to Dave Ramsey. And all of these are good, they're fine, they're enjoyable, they can be hobbies, and that's fine. But they can also compete with our voice of hearing the words of Christ. Uh, Robert and I were talking about this a bit last week, and we, we joked somewhat that even though, of course, we, we don't live in the days of the apostles and the times are not the exact same, but hypothetically, what if Robert were uh, in prison for preaching the gospel? Would we be so in tune with the Lord that we would pray diligently for him? Or would we be so uh, distracted by other things that we would forget about Robert? Now, one, that might be a little funny, but Seriously, you get the point of the picture. Uh, But I want us to see this morning from Proverbs chapter 2. This is my prayer for us today. It's, It's for us to see that God loves us so much that he wants us to see how our lives are to be the same with the Lord's life. And when our minds are so enlightened by his spirit that our lives and our passions will be in step with his life and his passion. So, from Proverbs 2, I want to highlight three things here. First, uh, see the Lord's gift to us. Secondly, see the Lord's invitation to us. And then thirdly, see the Lord's motivation toward us. All of this in the concept of our lives matching the Lord's passion. God's gift to us, God's invitation to us, and God's motivation toward us. First, notice God's gifting to us. If you do a study on the book of Proverbs, Proverbs, you'll see that this is God's instruction manual for us how to live inside of his kingdom. This is a favorite book for many folks, even the women's Bible study right now are going through the book of Proverbs. This includes practical instruction on how to think and how to make decisions. It's how we are to view life. It's how we think about relationships, finances, etc. And all of this is what scripture records as wisdom. That is biblical wisdom. Biblical wisdom is simply seeing the world as Jesus sees the world. Proverbs reveals that God wants us to know and to live and to enjoy the salvation that he has for us. It is his loving desire for us to know these secret, mysterious truths. Seriously, in the world in which we live, I can't think of a greater gift than to understand the world and to see the world the same way Jesus sees the world. Particularly in a season like we are in now in world history that is very unique. So as we aim to make sense of all that is happening in the world, the giving of biblical wisdom should be viewed this morning as a precious gift that your loving Lord has for you. And one I would argue that we are in dire need to receive. From Proverbs 2, notice just a couple of the particulars of God's gift to us. First, notice in verse 6 that indeed this is an act of God's grace. 
You see, wisdom is a gift. It is given to us, implying, of course, this is the Lord's initiative. It's his willingness. It's his desire. It's his blessing. It's his idea to grant this to us, this ability to see the world as he sees it. It comes with knowledge and understanding. That's what his gift is about. In verse 9, though this is not an exhaustive list of our riches in Christ, yet consider the incredible blessing in store for the children of God to be able to understand such things as righteousness and justice and equity. These are the things that we as a culture care about. We talk about them all the time. But yet in God's gifting, we see these things through his perspective. Righteousness, that is the standard of God which leads us to see our need of a savior and how we are to treat others. Justice, the way of seeing God's treatment of people based upon his truth. Equity, how we live in accordance to the grace given to us by Christ. God's gifting to us reveals how wise people are to know and to live with God and with each other. It affects how we look at each other today. So when you're wise, you now have the supernatural ability to see yourself the way Jesus sees you. To see each other the way Jesus sees you. And to see this world as Jesus sees it. But also inside of this gifting, notice in verse 11. That the Lord even gives us direction about the dangers of other people, particularly those who could be viewed as our enemies. And it's important to know who these people are. Verse 12, the writer warns against the evil person who speaks lies while aiming to convince us that these things are true. Verse 16, the writer writes about the dangers of sexually perverse people who aim to destroy our lives by causing unfaithfulness in our marriages. And the chapter concludes, verses 21 and 22, comparing and contrasting the outcome of those who live by wisdom versus those who do not. Those who build a life inside of his blessing and those who do not. And the significance are dire. Again, my point to you this morning and my prayer for you is to understand God loves you so much. He wants you to know these things. It is his gift to us out of his love in Christ for us. So that we may know what is good and pleasing and perfect inside of his will. Again, this morning, I can think of nothing greater than to enjoy the gift of seeing the world through the lens of Christ. Secondly, we've seen the Lord's gift Consider now his invitation to us, his invitation for us. I love this. Look back at verse 1. Notice how the writer says, treasure up my commands within you. Verse 3, call out for insight. I don't know a better way of stating this than simply to say, God wants you to desperately want what he has for you. He presents his his gift to you as if he is pleading with you to want it. It's his desperate desire for us to want the very thing that he is giving to us. Throughout Proverbs, God makes the case to you that you can live successfully inside of his kingdom, defined by his ways and inside of his timing 
But yet notice the if statements that go along with these promises. If you receive, if you cry out, if you seek, then, then you'll understand. It's as if, on one hand, the Lord holds out these great promises of truth to us, while simultaneously, on the other hand, his intent is to call us to the point where we are desperate to receive what he is giving. I hope you see in these words that there is a picture here of total passion. And it is God's passion for you to be passionate about what he is passionate to give. He loves you so much, he wants you to want the very thing that he's giving. He desperately wants our lives to match his life and his truth. He knows what is good for us, so he instructs us. You know, there's no conflict here at all between God's sovereign rule and man's responsibility. This invitation to receive his wisdom is 1,000% God's initiative. It's all based on his willingness to give, and yet, still based on our desire to receive and to enjoy what is before us. There is an incredible mystery here. So please just see this and accept it. Accept God loves you so much, he wants to give you everything in his way and in his time. The invitation here, and I urge us again all simply to embrace it, is for us to fan into flame the desire which God has put inside of us by his spirit. And that is to love him and his kingdom above all else. To be so consumed with the grace of Christ and for us to hunger and thirst for what he has for us more than we would ever want anything else. Again, uh, uh, the reason I chose this passage, I'm just dealing with, with my own heart this, this past week, is my concern that our minds can easily be so distracted by other good things that engaging with Jesus becomes just like another thing on the list. Just another podcast to listen to after we've done whatever else. That time in his word could easily be viewed as simply a duty and forgotten that this is God's love letter to us to remind us of the precious state in which we live because of Christ. Again, the fear is we could be conflicted. That worship could happen only when it's convenient rather than this invitation to come and dine with our Savior and be with him. That prayer is reserved only for times of trouble rather than because we enjoy spending time with him. And as I read Proverbs and think about just the way, the trajectory of life when we don't seek wisdom, what we see happens here is that the less engagement we have with our Lord and the more confusion about the complexities of this world that we will see, and then we will turn to sources to fill our hearts and our minds that do not have the mind of Christ at all, that we will turn to total unbelieving voices to help us cope with another tough day or even another tough year. All the while, Jesus is saying to us, seek me and you will find. So let me just ask you this morning, are you desperate for the Lord? Do you hunger and thirst for the Lord, for his righteousness, for his kingdom? 
Do you read your Bibles with a sense of urgency to be reminded of God's grace and his love and his care for you? Do you want to be all that the Lord has in store for you because he is the one who made you and he is the one who has designed you and he has a perfect plan for your life? Again, as I I wrestle with the days in which we live and, and the scriptures, church, I'll just say, these are not passive days. They're not. These are days to engage, to engage with your father in the name of his son and the power of his spirit to call out to him and to receive all the wisdom he has for you. He wants you to see this world the same way he sees it. So we've seen that this is God's gift. We've seen that this is his invitation. Lastly, quickly, let's just consider again his motivation toward us. Why does the Lord care? Why does he want this for us? Look back at verse 1. And just notice what is so obvious. My son... Dwell upon those words for just a moment. You see, Proverbs and all of Scripture, these are not just a a religious guidebook of sorts simply to give good suggestions on how to handle your money. No, see, these are family secrets being passed from a child to a child by his perfect father. It's for us who know Christ, who have been adopted into his family, we now possess all that is true of him. So as we read these words, we are reading the words of a father to his children because the father desires the best for his children. So therefore, as you read these, as you read scripture, as you read Proverbs, you can trust what he says. When you call out to him for his insight, you can trust what he gives you because his motivation is for you as his family member. When you ask the Lord for his guidance, I'm reminded of Luke chapter 11, where Jesus says, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a serpent instead? How much more will your heavenly father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask? See, the Lord's motivation for you is good so you can trust him. You can ask and you can receive and you can trust his timing and his way. This is our perfect Father's love for us. You know, sometimes as earthly fathers, uh, we may or may not get it right in the way in which we love our children. Oftentimes, we don't get it right at all. Last April, our son, uh, Keaton, turned 16. I assure you I have permission to tell this story. Uh, He turned 16 in April, and that was right in the middle of uh, the quarantine and shutdown and all of that. It was a terrible time to have a birthday, uh, certainly a 16th birthday. It was a terrible time for everything. Um, There were no parties, all of that. But if you remember back at the beginning of all the shutdowns, a lot of folks were doing like drive-by birthday parties and whatnot. Maybe they're still going on, but when Keaton turned 16, we organized one of those. So all of his friends and neighborhood uh, got together, and it's meant to be a surprise, and they would drive by and blow the horn. Josiah, you came. Uh, and and it, was, it was kind of fun. But what you need to know about my son is that he is the king jokester in our house. Practical jokes, that sort of thing. So I intended to have a little bit of fun with this drive-by in a way in which I thought would be a really good idea. 
so as part of the drive-by, I ask a friend of mine to participate who's a local policeman. He lives in our neighborhood. So he obliged and came by to be part of uh, the parade. So typically, your 16th birthday, that involved driving and driver's license and all of that. Uh, so the joke was going to be that this policeman was going to stop and ask Keaton uh, why he's been driving around without a driver's license. Again, I thought this was going to be so funny. Um, so the police car shows up. Keaton's outside, has no idea what's going to happen. The lights are on, the sirens are on, the uniform's on, the whole nine yards. Ask Keaton, I need to see some ID, young man. Keaton completely freezes. Again, I have permission to tell the story. Um, he says, I need to see your driver's license. Keaton totally freezes, doesn't say anything. He is scared to death, and I'm laughing my head off. Finally, the policeman says, I hear you've been driving around without a driver's license. And Keaton, which wasn't completely true, uh, says, I don't know about that. And then the policeman just says, and happy birthday to you. Again, you may think your pastor has a twisted sense of humor, but I thought that was the best surprising birthday gift ever. Can I just tell you, the jokester did not enjoy being joked. Keaton turned and looked at me, and if looks could kill, I would not be standing here this morning. His 16th birthday will go down in Randall folklore as the pandemic birthday that we never want to redo again. The year that everything did not go exactly as planned. Here's the point, and I think you get it. We may or may not give good gifts to each other. Even your dads with the best of intentions may really get it wrong. So beware. But this is not your earthly father's. God's gifts are never like that. He knows our needs perfectly. He knows our desires perfectly. He knows what we need perfectly. And he gives accordingly. And in his good pleasure, he says, you need to see the world the way I see the world. And he is saying to us today, I want you to see my gospel and my kingdom the way I see it and to build your life around it the way I have given you my mind. You see, church, we have the mind of Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the greatest treasure on this earth. So seek him. That is his prayer for us. Let me pray now. And then we will come to the Lord's table and celebrate again this week his kindness to us. Oh, Father, as we think about these things and we think about gifts that you have for your people and promises that you have for your people, oh, Lord, we are reminded as we come to your table this morning of all the mistakes that we have made, all the mistakes that we've made even this week, even this morning. Father, we have not called out for you as we should. We have not sought wisdom as you have instructed us to. The Lord Jesus, the gospel declares, even when we were weak, that you are strong. You have put your spirit inside of us. So Lord Jesus, remind us afresh of what is true now. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.